The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. It's another Friday, uh, another week for us to just sit back and relax and talk about what happened this week. And, you know, I haven't really been living the the big work-life balance myself. I need to practice what I preach, but uh, it's been work, work, work. Uh, if you were with us on the show last week, what a fantastic conversation uh, we had with Brad Lomanek. Uh, what a, what a great show we had with him. And didn't really know, uh, you know, a whole lot about him. I've read a lot about him. And um, and his ties to John Maxwell, which was was really cool, because we spent this entire past week in Orlando with the John Maxwell team and John himself, and uh, that's what this show is going to be about. Every time I come back from that event, I really try to use this hour to process what I learned and, and what I heard, and we got a great opportunity to meet Seth Godin. Um, at this event as well. And I didn't know a lot about Seth going into it. I, I'd read a couple of his books, but you want to talk about just being blown away by, by somebody. So at this event, uh, being a member of the John Maxwell team and being part of the mentorship and, and being on the team for a couple of years. Um, so there's a very large certification event. There's a couple thousand people there, but the alumni, uh, there's about three, 400 of us and we get some private sessions with John, some private sessions with the the speaker that comes in, which happened to be Seth. And so the opportunity for learning, the opportunity to really uh, kind of go one-on-one with these people, it, it's just tremendous. And so that's why I go twice a year. And it's just a, an awesome opportunity to kind of get centered and balanced and, and really get an opportunity to to learn. And so each time I do that, I, I love to use this show and really kind of reflect on what I heard. And so uh, if you go back to rickamorris.com and search the archives, you can see what you know I'd learned at the previous uh, events. And so we always title the show what I learned from John Maxwell. Uh, and so this, this is the newest edition of that. This is not a repeat show or a replay of that show. So like I said, we were in Orlando. And the event kicks off with what we call a think tank day. And the think tank day gives us the ability to meet uh, with the faculty. And these are kind of small breakout sessions. Normally, there's about 40 or 50 people in the room. And you get to work with the the faculty of the John Maxwell team. And so I decided to go visit with Paul Martinelli first. And if you don't know anything about Paul Martinelli, just research this guy. You want to talk about, first of all, Scrappy. Now, Paul Martinelli is this gentleman, first of all, helped found one of the uh, the divisions or groups of the Guardian Angels. And this gentleman was a, was a high school dropout, uh, a janitor with a stuttering problem. And so he's, he talks about, you know, talking about 
somebody who felt worthless, felt that he wouldn't amount to anything, felt like he had a learning disability, uh, felt like he just wasn't going to um, amount to much. And now he is the the president of the John Maxwell team and a multimillionaire several times over. So if you can't learn from this person, you know, a lot of times when we, we take a step back and we look at people who are successful in business, you feel like, you know, they just had it all. And they had many opportunities to make it that that we didn't have. And you hear somebody like Paul Martinelli, if, if you're not fired up after listening to Paul Martinelli and his story, uh, then you're just not listening. And what I love about Paul is he's so transparent. And just a side note, for the alumni that go to this event, uh, Paul Martinelli does this wonderful thing called the Alumni Huddle, and that's something that, that happens before each day. And what he does there is just simply share uh, what's going on at the event. So he talks about the things that he changed before the event and things that are going well and things that aren't going so well. And and the reason why he does that is he for a lot of us that are speakers in the room or that people are trying to organize events, he wants to give that inside track of what it's like to run a, an event for 2,000, 3,000 people. And he's just simply in the openness of sharing is providing so much foundational knowledge that you just simply can't get. Uh, so it, it's uh, an incredible way to give back and show value and pour in to us as team members. So uh, I, I chose Paul's session, and Paul talks about really getting rid of your attachments. And it, it was it was pretty powerful for me. And what he talks about is in his attachments – when he was trying to get better at business or, or really looking at things, he he tells the story, and I don't like to, to steal the thunder of other people's stories, but he, he tells the story of, of it was almost impossible. Uh, he, he was he's creating barriers uh, for people uh, to to give him money essentially to make himself successful, and that was based on these incorrect attachments that he had based on his learning. And so I again I don't want to take the thunder of of his. Story. So what I'd like to do is apply that to what I heard and what I learned. And so what we did is we went through these different attachments. And what you do is you kind of take what is your goal? And, and obviously my goal is to grow R-squared consulting. I want to want to grow my business. And then you start looking at what your limiting beliefs are in, in doing so. And, and so some of my limiting beliefs as I, as I was looking to grow my business was, you know, well, I tried to grow before and it, it, it didn't go well. And, you know, I feel like, well, I have a very uh, wide experience base that was garnered over time, and it's very difficult to teach that uh, to people. So I feel like I'm, I'm somewhat specialized in, in, in the things that I do. Uh, and um, that, uh, you know, things are running just fine right now, so why do you rock the boat? So these are some limiting beliefs uh, that I've created for myself. And some of the other limiting beliefs you look at is, is based around your family and your inner circle. And so if you look at my inner circle, you know, I've got my family saying, you know, you're so busy already. You're already gone so much. If you grow the business and, and you try to expand the business, then potentially, you know, you're going to be gone more and we're not going to, we're going to see you even less. And so that becomes a limiting belief or, or a barrier uh, or an attachment belief of, of why I can't grow the business. And so what he, what he, walks you through then is, so what do you do? And so in his story, one of, one of the things he was talking about was, you know, he had a janitor company, janitorial services, cleaning services, and they would say, you know, can you come to 
uh, Jupiter, Florida. And he was like, nah, Jupiter's too far. And, and they said, well, would you take these, uh, the consumable business, you know, toilet paper and, and cleaning supplies and that kind of stuff. And he's like, no, that's, that's not something we do. And those were limiting beliefs for him. And so what you do is, is instead of saying no, you, you take a step back and say, well, what are those limiting beliefs that I have and, and what can I do about those? What, what is my goal? And my goal, obviously, for R squared is to grow. That's what I want to do. I want to grow. I want to become bigger. And I want to. I have a, a measured goal in which I'd like to, to retire the company or at least let the company grow on its own to where I don't have to be involved day to day. And right now, I'm literally involved in every aspect of the business and in, in sales and delivery and, and everything else. And so... When you start looking at these attachment beliefs, you start to realize how much of those attachment beliefs are, are based on just your beliefs and, and things that you tell yourself and, and the, the awareness and the principles of, of, of you know, how you were growing up. And, and for, for an example, you know, principle for, for me and growing up is, you know, uh, if you see something that needs to be done, just do it. Just get up and do it. Just knock it out. You know, that was that was something that's been ingrained in me since I was a child. You know, if you see something that needs to be picked up, go pick it up. If you if you see something that needs to be completed, don't wait for somebody to do it. Get up and go do it. And so while that makes me very successful in business, I, I've never had to wait for anybody to go tell me to do something. And that that's a very uh, good trait as a business owner. I, you know, if I need something done on my website, I go do it. If I, if I need something done for my client, I go do it. If I, if, if something, somebody's falling behind in, in a project, I pick it up and go do it. And so in one aspect that makes me extremely successful as a business owner and another aspect that leaves very little time for me to, to get, you know, the rest of my business grounded. And what I need to learn how to do is empower my, my teammates and my leaders to get their work done. And so I have to Take a step back and say, what is that attachment to that principle that I have, and how do I get out of my own way? So it was a beautiful session, wonderful job, and and you know Paul is an inspiring person. Again, you know he he came from uh, overcame a stuttering problem and being a janitor in a high school dropout, and and now leads an incredibly successful business, multimillionaire, uh, and, and works side by side with John Maxwell. It's an amazing individual to know. Uh, the second session I went to was was Mark Cole, and and Mark Cole uh, literally brought me to tears, and and he's really talking about transformational leadership, and how to transform, how to how to really transform yourself, and you know w- what he talks about that in that area, um, what he asked us to do in transformation was to list five transformational times of our lives, five t- five things in your life that you felt were transformational. And the five things for me that I listed, you know, very quickly was the death of my father, um, th- that obviously transformed a lot of things in my life. The the marriage to my lovely wife, who, you know, challenges me to be a better person every day. Uh, the birth of my children, the forming of R-squared consulting, and the failure of a very large project that I had. I, I felt like those were five transformational things in my life that's led me to where I am today. But what he did then is he, he went through some other talk and then he came back and he said, now of those five things and where I want to challenge you into truly being a transformational leader and a transformational person is of those five things, how many of those were about you versus you transforming 
either somebody else's life or another co- corporation. And it was pretty powerful. Because you, you start to look at, you know, as, as human beings, especially this day and age, and especially with what's going on in our country and everything else, we really need to start looking at valuing other people and valuing other uh, things more than ourselves. That's the biggest thing if we're going to be transformational. So he asked us to start looking within ourselves because we obviously can't transform other people unless we transform ourselves. And he asked us to work on a couple of those things that we would love to change within ourselves and transform ourselves. And he asked a very poignant question. This is what brought me to tears. And and I'll be very transparent with you and my audience as sometimes I'm overly transparent and I'm aware. But the question that got me and the question I posed to you, the audience, before we take our first break is if you think about that, what are a couple of things in your life that you wish to transform, a couple of things that you wish to work on, a couple of things that are there that bother you, and that you know that you have to change, and we know what they are. And you write those down. The question is, and the question he posed, and Mark Cole did a beautiful job in doing so, is if what's at stake if you don't change that? What's at stake in your life? What's at stake in your company? What's at stake in your family? What's at stake at the world? What's at stake in the country? What's at stake everywhere? What's at stake if you don't make the commitment to yourself to change that within you? And I'll let you think about that while we take our first break. Listen to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. 
Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back with another live edition of the Work-Life Balance, fresh off the presses of another John Maxwell event. And uh, when we say fresh off the presses, man, we have got some announcements that are for sure exciting. Um, and, and we're going to get right into that. So one of the, the blessings, um, so when I was at the last event in August, uh, we had this beautiful opportunity while we were being mentored by John, uh, where he took us in, into this room and for two hours he taught us this book uh, called No Limits, Blowing the Cap Off of Your Capacity. And so we got this private teaching, and I actually taught from that uh, on my August radio show. And if you were lucky enough to listen into that, not because it was me, but because I was sharing things directly from John Maxwell that, that nobody had ever heard before. And, and you know, for those of you that may not know who John is, let me just clue you in. He's the number one leadership expert in the world. He sold 23 million books, and yes, he's counting. Uh, but... Uh, we heard this book, you know, fresh off, and he was telling us the book was coming out. And there, there was actually a publication delay, so it didn't come out until, I believe, just before this event. So the book has now been out for two weeks. It's number six, I believe, right now in Wall Street Journal, uh, number four in New York Times uh, bestseller list uh, as we speak. So it just hit the market. But we had had the material and got to work with the material uh, since August. And what I love about uh, th- this opportunity is, is, is John, you know, and first of all, we don't want to come from the aspect, and I certainly don't want to teach from the aspect of what, you know, John Maxwell says, John Maxwell says, and that's not what we're trying to do here. I am trying to share new thought leadership and new ideas that are coming from John. And, and, and so what we do is I want to share, I want to share what I heard, what I learned, and then it's, it's very important. And if you haven't heard me teach from this and gone back to some of my uh, past teachings, it's very important that you take these lessons and you become authentic with, with the lessons in yourself. So I'm sharing what John has said because it's fresh off the, pr- the presses. And then what we do is we take the opportunity to learn these lessons, apply it to our own lives, and then become authentic within the message. So it's it's not, you know, John Maxwell says it's, you know, he said it, yes, but now apply it and then begin to live authentically with these with these values and these methods. And then we go from there. So uh, in this session, we've gotten two new things that, that John has not even written into a book yet, but he's very excited about, and you can tell. And, and, and the funniest thing was is one of these things that I'm going to share with you right now, he said, you know, I, I've come up with this new thing. I want to tell you. He goes, then, then what I want you to do is go tell somebody who's new because I'm sure I'm going to say it later in the conference. And then when I say it on stage, you can hit somebody and say, hey, man, I was just talking to John and he said that and he stole it from me. So, so you know John's heart. Uh, just so you know, that's where he's coming from. Uh, when he shares this, his full anticipation is, is that we're going to spread the word, spread the message, and, and that people need to hear it, need to, to move on it, need to use it to start to, to, to infect and change people's lives. 
So one of the first things that, that he brought up in, in this mentoring session is, is the, the theory of advanced attraction. And even for John, it was a little wordy, uh, so I'm just going to put my own spin on it. But to me, he, he described it a different way. I'm going to describe it in a way that, that makes a little bit more sense for me. Um, advanced attraction is very much like if you're going to buy a car and you know if you and your spouse or you and your child or, so, or just you yourself – if you decided, you know, that you're going to buy a car and you, you looked at a new brand that you've never looked at before. So you've decided now you're going to get a, a Honda Accord and, and you've never decided on a Honda Accord before, but now you like it. Or, you know, there's this new Mercedes that you just decided that you liked. And then all of a sudden, as you're driving down the road, you see them everywhere. Everywhere you turn, you see that car. But you've never noticed it before, but it wasn't until you decided that you liked that brand or you liked that particular vehicle that you start to see it pop up everywhere. And that is the theory of advanced attraction. Essentially, once you've kind of decided or put something out there, it starts to attract to you. You start to see it. You start to notice it more. And so the way John tells the story, and, and he really uses this in writing. So anybody who's creative or anybody who's a writer uh, this is absolutely a tip for you. This Anybody who's a writer, this is exactly how John does it, and this is something that I've started to already employ and have already to see, see it work, and it, it just happened to me coming driving home right before the radio show. This started to happen to me. So what he used to do is when he was a preacher back in, in – a pastor back in San Diego, he had a hymnal, and on his hymnal – what he would do was announce what the next 12 sermons were going to be. And and his his parishioners loved it. it you know, they, they could see what, what the talks were going to be. But John hadn't written them yet. He just decided what the titles were going to be. And then he carried with them 12 folders everywhere he went. And then as he saw articles and as he saw things, because he was using the law of advanced attraction, as he saw things that fit those 12 sermons, he would file it. And, and by the time it came around to having to sit down to write that sermon, he had a full folder of material that he could leaf through and utilize to sit down and write that sermon. And that's what he does with books. He's got six or seven titles of books right now that he wants to write, but he doesn't have enough material to write it yet. But he's got folders for those books. And as he comes across an article or a saying or something that he finds interesting, he files it into that folder. And I started doing the very same thing. So there's three or four speeches that I know the topics I want to give, uh, but I don't quite have enough material yet to really fully you know, formulate a speech. And, it, and it's happening. Like uh, I, I thought of a past project that um, something happened that, that was an exper uh, experiential point that I wanted to put in. Uh, an article came in today. And then just driving home, I had a friend of mine call and say, hey, there's this new app you need to go look at. And the title of the app is fitting one of the speeches that I want to give in the future. Uh, it, 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 unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, I mean, it absolutely is a very cool thing. It's called advanced attraction. And it's just, you know, kind of, if you're creative, you just put the title out there and throw it out and you just start to become more aware of the things around you and it starts to fill the bounty. It starts it starts to fill what you're doing. So that, that was a pretty cool thing. The other thing he talked about and this is huge for me, uh, huge for consultants. So if you're a consultant, you want to lean in. Uh, if, if you're if you're somebody who's really um, looking at the the culture of a a company, you want to lean into this point. 
because um, he's come up with a really cool new word. He 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 likes to do things at three. So he he's he, he's always doing number one, number two, number three, and he, even when he gets in his side points, he's doing number one, number two, number three, and. He came up with this new term, and I really, really enjoyed the new term, the way he did it. And, and uh, he's had a saying for a long time that culture will eat vision for lunch. And, and, and th- that thing, I've used that a hundred times now, a thousand times probably by now. But, you know, you, you, you have these people who like to set visions for companies. And, and, and they, they say they want to do this, but then the culture will eat vision for lunch. It be, you know, you want to grow. You want to go do this for a company. But the culture of that company isn't going to change. And so it'll just eat that vision for lunch. And, and so he's, he, he's been expanding on that topic for a while now. So how – how do you grow the vision of a company or how, how do you make sure that vision survives? And so he gave us a little bit of peace on that. And so, so what he's doing now is he's talking about there's, there's kind of three things. And so if you have a vision, what you need is a vision carrier. And he says, so there's really kind of three types of people when you have a vision. You have, you have a vision caster and that vision caster is somebody who can tell you about the vision, right? So uh, they're the people that can say, you know, what do people want? That, that, that's a vision caster. Um, and, and then you have uh, vision um, catching, right? So vision catching, those are, those are people who can catch the vision. They kind of connect with it, but they, they, they kind of catch it. But what you really need, if you want that vision to come to fruition, is this theory of a, a vision carrier, and these are people that are going to hear that vision and get so excited and consumed that, that they're going to tell others about the vision and, and therefore multiply. They're going to synthesize that message and they're going to multiply that message and, and they become their carriers. And, and what they're going to do is, is they're going to do this. They're going to connect with that vision. They're, they're, they're going to be consistent on how they communicate that vision. They're going to contribute to that vision, right? Um, they're going to help, you know, bring change by by bringing that vision, and and they're going to add to the reputation of the vision itself. So, so what you want to do is, when you have a vision, you want to make sure that you're not just casting, and that's the problem. Most people, when they have a vision, they're just throwing it out there. And, and hoping it catches on, what you want to do is you want to develop vision carriers. So, so if I've got a vision that that I want to do, and this is really important for my project managers, my project manager audience, right? So, we we can only win in the project management space if, if we're leading with influence, if we're developing influence. So, when we're doing whatever we got to do in the project management space, what we've got to do is develop vision carriers. What we've got to do is find those people within our project teams, or if I'm a CEO, who who is that person that's going to get really excited about the vision that we're painting and then going to reproduce that vision for us. So that was really, really cool. Um, and, and that's how you can make sure that that vision survives because we can cast it all day long. And sure, people may catch it, all day long and hear it, but they're not going to do anything with it. It's the vision carriers that's that's really going to be the the people that that see that vision to fruition, and and that's how that stuff happens. And and so I I love that. But 
what I want to do now is I want to take that theory and I'm going to compound that. And that's where I love the fact that, you know, the, the John Maxwell team in this event brings in people from the outside because they brought in this gentleman by the name of Seth Godin. And Seth was amazing. And, and he started to share, but he added to that when we started talking about the, the whole culture eats vision for lunch and, and why do not, you know, why cultures don't change. And so he provided some, some wonderful tidbits around that. We're going to share that when we come on the other side of this break. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance and and really just reflecting on an incredible week in Orlando, just learning of uh, fellowship, uh, be around some of the most uh, incredible people that that I absolutely know. And uh, so we just stopped with uh, John Maxwell in a private teaching that he'd given us uh, around vision carriers. And look, I could do six shows uh, on on this event, and I'm just really trying to compress some knowledge and hit some of the highlights. Uh, and so 
as I was talking about into the lead into the break, Seth Godin, uh, not only did he do, he really was a pretty rare uh, because when they bring in special outside guests to this event, normally they'll do maybe a keynote and a special session with the alumni. Uh, Seth did a part of the speaking certification. He sat down and did a Q&A with John Maxwell, then did a private session with the alumni, then did another private Q&A with the alumni. So, I mean, he really just gave of himself. Uh, and the guy is just brilliant. And, and the more and more he talked, the more and more excited uh, I was to get to know the gentleman. Uh, and he, he just has tons of ideas and has a very plain uh, way of speaking, very matter-of-fact way of speaking, which I, I found to be just very refreshing. And so I want to I'm going to skip around a little bit because he built it on some of the ideas that we had known and come to love from John. And so with John's quote of culture eats vision for lunch, and then he built on vision carriers, we had asked Seth about, you know, why cultures of companies tend to not change. And he really got introspective and shared some beautiful insight. And he was talking um, that we want to change the culture of a company, um, but they're afraid. And he said there's a fear to change the culture because of results. And, and I found that to be fascinating. So he expanded on it a little bit. And he said, you know, you want to, you hear that people want to change the culture, but they have a fear that it's going to impact the bottom line. And that's really why you don't see cultures change. And, you know, there was that big story that just came out around Uber and, and how they were treating female engineers. And, they, they were allowing the behavior to continue because the guy was a high producer. And, and you hear that kind of stuff all the time. And he was like, you know, there was another story he was referring to, and he didn't name the company, where the guy who was slightly sele- sexually harassing the females, but he was a high sales producer. So he, he represented 30% of the numbers. And so he wasn't really doing anything that could technically get him in trouble, uh, but everybody was just looking the other way because they liked his sales numbers. And, and so you have to have, number one, empathy. But number two, got to have the strength of character to say, I'm not going to reward that behavior. And your culture will never change unless you have the strength of character to step in and say, that behavior is not good. And, and if you don't, he said, then the employees are simply going to smell it on you. They'll absolutely 100% smell it on you. They'll see it. And they'll know what behavior is allowed, what behavior is not allowed, and what the culture of this company is going to be. And so as I reflected on that, I absolutely have seen that. Again, uh, I, I've told the story many times of, of a company that I worked for where I was you know, 286% of my plan, yet I was the one that was about to get laid off. And the reason why I was about to get laid off is because it was too expensive to pay my bonus. Not because I was accelerated, not because... I was doing very well is because at the end of the day, they didn't value the work that I was providing. Not to mention, if you looked at the numbers, half of them were, were being maintained. They would have had to lay people off of that, that uh, branch if I didn't produce those numbers, right? So you look at it, just the sheer hypocrisy of it. And a lot of people look at that and go, it's so stupid, right? Companies can be so stupid and short-sighted. So if I didn't produce the numbers that I had, people would be laid off and the the branch would be underperforming. But because one person overachieved, they look at that and go, wow, it's going to be really expensive to pay your bonus. We have the opportunity to let one person go. Let's let him go because it's going to impact our bottom line 
to pay him what he deserved. And, and, and that's culture. Culture will absolutely eat vision for lunch. And by the way, the first opportunity I had, I left the company and I took a huge pay cut. Why? Because they devalued me and my contribution. Was I happy there? No. I knew exactly what was happening. I knew exactly what was going on. And I was out at the first opportunity I had. And, and this is exactly what he's talking about. In a culture like that, you're, you're not allowed to thrive. And, and, and not only that, but the people that that culture attracts are not people that are going to help you succeed. And so I love the things that he said. But the thing that got me the most, and, and I do want to share this with you, because it blew me away, especially in, in the aspect of where I'm at in my business today. I've got a lot of different opportunities in R-squared. I've built a very successful clarity practice. I've been doing this stuff with Maxwell, um, really trying to build the, the speaking career. Most of you that follow me know about No Day But Today and, and trying to expand that. And so I find myself being pulled in different directions. I'm trying to figure out what do I do with the company? How do I grow? All of this stuff. And so somebody asked him the question, what's the difference between an entrepreneur and a freelancer? And you could see Seth get excited. It was really cool. And so Seth begins to explain his definition. He says, an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur is somebody who basically uses other people's money to build a business that can make money while you sleep. Pretty simple. He says a freelancer is somebody who the business it can't run without them. They have to be involved in every aspect of the business. And he goes, look, there's not one distinct advantage over the other, but you have to decide what you are. You can't be both. You're either an entrepreneur or you're a freelancer. He says, now, if you want to grow the business as an entrepreneur, then you've got to get out of your own way. You can't be performing parts of the business. You hire other people that are smarter than you to, to do the things in your business. You, you you need a website. You hire somebody to do that. You need more people. You hire people to do that. You, you, you need an accountant. You hire people to do that. If you're a freelancer, then you are that person. You, know, you, you are that thought leader and that kind of stuff. And he readily agreed to himself that he's a freelancer. So if you want to make more money as a freelancer, how do you how do you distinguish yourself? Well, you've got to be different. And because there's only so much time in the day, then the only way you can really make more money is to get better clients. That's it. That's the secret sauce. And again, somebody speaking that plainly and that matter of factly, and he's he's so smart. Um but it was mind-blowing to me. I was like, that, that is exactly what I needed to hear. And, and so it gives you those moments of clarity. And I love when, when somebody's that good and that succinct. To, to give you that moment of clarity, take a step back and go, first of all, decide what you want to be. Are you going to be an entrepreneur? Or are you going to be a freelancer? And if so, then that gives you a clarity of purpose. The other thing that, that Seth shared with us uh, was a book recommendation. It was called The War of Art. And so this is for the creative people in the audience. So if, if you are somebody who wants to be an author, you are somebody that's creative in any way, uh, the book itself is called The War of Art, and it's Breakthrough the, the Blocks, and, and it's written by a guy by the name of Stephen Pressfield. And so while I was sitting there, uh, and me with my ADD, I knew I'd forget, I, I ordered the book while I was there. Um, thanks to the beauty of Amazon Prime, it was on my doorstep when I returned home, and I, I've already started reading that book, and it is beautiful. I, I, I can't tell you enough, and, and I just wanted to, to share with you a section to, to talk about it. Um, what it talks about is, is resistance, and it, it, names, it names resistance and it, as your inner voice, 
of things. And I just wanted to share a section with you. It, it just says, uh, the, the following is a list in no particular order of those activities that most commonly elicit resistance. It says, number one, the pursuit of any calling in writing, painting, music, film, dance, or any creative art, however marginal or unconventional. Number two, the launching of any entrepreneurial venture or enterprise for profit or otherwise. Number three, any diet or health regimen. Number four, any program or spiritual advancement. Number five, any activity whose aim is tighter abdominals. Number six, any course or program designed to overcome an unwholesome habit or addiction. Number seven, education of every kind. Number eight, any act of political, moral, or ethical courage, including the decision to change for the better some unworthy pattern of thought or conduct in ourselves. Number nine, the undertaking of an enterprise or endeavor whose aim it is to help others. Number 10, any act that entails commitment of the heart, the decision to get married, to have a child, to weather a rocky patch in a relationship. Number 11, the taking of any principled stand in the face of adversity. In other words, any act that rejects immediate gratification in favor of long-term growth, health, or integrity. Or expressed another way, any act that derives from our higher nature instead of our lower, any of these will elicit resistance. How beautiful is that? That's directly from The War of Art and uh, something that, that Seth had, had told us to read. And, and I, I started leafing through that thing. It, as beautiful as that is, I, I, I recommend anybody go grab that book that's from Stephen Pressfield called The War of Art. So Seth really just had a lot of wonderful advice for us. Um, and uh, he, he ended his session. Um, you know, somebody had asked him a- advice um, you know, how do we get ahead or, or you know, what should we do? Um, and, and he he ended with the most beautiful piece of advice, I think, that, that really got um, or one of the top three, certainly, that we got all week. And he said, look, guys, you guys are already you. You know, the, the moment you accept a job for somebody else's company, the moment you start doing that, you've already accepted that you're a cog in the wheel. You've already accepted that you're worth X and you're a cog in the wheel. He said, you don't need FaceTime with me. You don't need FaceTime with John Maxwell. And, and he goes, look, I don't need somebody. He goes, as nice it is it, as it is, I don't need somebody to be the next Seth Godin. We don't need somebody to be the next John Maxwell. We don't need somebody you know, to, to be the next Steve Jobs. What we need is somebody to be the next you. He said, so we don't need anybody in here to pick you out of the crowd and, and, and dub you the next anything, what we need is you to pick you. What we need is you to distinguish yourself out of the crowd and do what it takes to grow you and to grow your craft and to be unique and to be creative and to do what is your purpose and your gift in life and to bring that to others. We don't need you to be anybody else. So stop trying And I thought that was one of the most beautiful pieces of advice I've ever heard. And that came from Seth Godin while we were at the Maxwell event. I'll let you guys ponder that as we take our final break. And we'll be right back here on the Work-Life Balance. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world 
where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end -end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development, to management to security, end-to-end -end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance. Uh, and we've been sharing a lot from John, from, from Seth. We, you know, shared from Paul and, and from everybody. And, and uh, you know, this was a cool event, too. I had uh, my buddy Mike Stevens uh, with me. He was getting certified as a member of the team uh, at this event. And uh, so it was cool to see it through new eyes as well. Um, and in, in one of the final sessions that we had uh, – we got to ask just Q&A with John Maxwell. And so a lot of people are building a business and, and have a lot of fears around doing that. And so there were some directed questions to John uh, around that. So I, I thought I'd take this last segment and just share some of that advice, some of that advice uh, that we heard from John. And uh, so a lot of people just had a, a lot of fears around, you know, either asking for the sale or trying to get started uh, and so some of the simple advice, you know, obviously you're not going to get anywhere in business until you start. Um, but, you know, when it came to around asking questions or asking for things or asking for the sale and things of that sort, you know, he said something I thought was pretty interesting. He says, you know, it, it's funny because if you don't anticipate, the reason why people procrastinate is they, they, they're anticipating failure. They're anticipating something's going to be bad. 
And what we have to do is anticipate that it's going to be good. Even if it is going to be bad, you have to anticipate success. If you don't anticipate success, you're never going to get out of bed. This is, you know, you, the reason why people don't ask for sales, they, they're anticipating they're going to say no. If you don't anticipate somebody will say yes, then, then you're not going to ask. But if you do anticipate they'll say yes, you'll ask. If you anticipate something's going to be good, then you're going to do it. But you know, if you go into it going, man, this is going to be horrible, then you're not gonna then you're not gonna go after it. So you have to have that that mindset of anticipation that it's gonna be fantastic, that it's gonna go your way. And and you know, he he had a great quote, and I think it's something that came off the top of his head. But you know, he was kind of getting frustrated with a lot of the people moaning in the room. He's like, you know, you can't moan and lead at the same time. You've got you've got to do one or the other. So if you're going to moan, moan. But if you're going to lead, lead. And, and nobody's going to follow you if you can't follow yourself first. So you've got to be able to lead yourself and, and be successful first for anybody to lead or follow you. And I, I found that pretty poignant. The, the other thing is, is you've got to you've got to be leading yourself and following your agenda because you, you cannot be successful on somebody else's agenda. You, you just you simply can't. And the moment the moment you are and, and look, let, let's let's do do this in the social media regime. There's a lot of people um, and, and there's actually, you know. They call it a Facebook depression. They call it that kind of stuff. A lot of people will scroll Facebook and they'll go, man, I wish wish I was doing what he was doing. Man, I wish I was successful as that person. Man, I, I wish, you know, I, I'm, I'm worthless because look at that. And look, the moment you do that, the moment you start thinking that way, then you're on their agenda. And you cannot be successful on somebody else's agenda. You have to live your life. You have to go over your thing. And the, and the the problem is 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 especially around building a business is you cannot you know most people want that what's that button what what's that thing I can click that's instantly going to make me successful. And, and again, the quote that we use all the time, and and people ask me all the time, man, I want to do what you do, you know, I want to have the radio show, I want to have the speaking career, I want to have books, and you know, my first book I got turned down over six hundred times before the first book came out. And even then they didn't want to buy my book. They wanted me to rewrite somebody else's book. And I had to do that first before somebody was interested in my book. And so to do you know what I do, you have to have done what I've done. You have to you have to put in the work. Nobody wanted to listen to this radio show at first. Nobody wanted to give me a radio show 20 years ago because they didn't think I had anything to say. Nobody wanted to give me my first public speech. I had to go get it. And even then, you know, in, in my own story to this, the, one, of, one of my first workshops that I did, San Antonio, Texas, you know, I showed up and, and, and two people signed up. And so they called me and they said, do you, do you want to cancel? And, and the answer is no. And they said, well, why not? You know, you're going to lose money. We, we can't even afford to, to pay for you to come out here. And I said, because two people signed up. Those two people are there and, and, and we'll pour value in them. And, and I'll be the best that I possibly can for those two people. Because the next time I come, hopefully those two people will tell 10 people. And those 10 people will tell 20 people. And we'll pack the house. And the next time I went, we had a bigger crowd. But that's what you have to do. You have to put in the work. You have to go when nobody else is showing up, and you you have to invest. But it took two or three years before anybody cared what I had to say, and 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 so, 
you know, when, when the book hit number one on Amazon and it did so, so quickly and everybody was like, wow, you know, that, that was quick success. And it's like, yeah, it takes 20 years to become an overnight success. It takes, it takes 20 years of, of blood, sweat, and tears to, to hit it big quick. Um, you know, and, and I even put that in the book that, you know, Jonathan Larson with Rent, you know, that was an overnight sensation. Sure. You know, nobody knows it took him 14 years and four failed plays to get there. It, it, look, no, but nothing worthwhile, nothing worthwhile is uphill. Nothing worthwhile is uphill. There's no, there's no magic pill that you take and go to bed and wake up and, and everything's great. There, there, there's no secret recipe to success other than you want it. And everybody wants to be successful, but do they have the will to be successful? Everybody wants to be rich. Do they have the will to be rich? Everybody wants to have their own business. Do they have the will to have their own business? You know, people want all day, but will they will it to happen? And those are the things that we have to think about. And those are the things of why, you know, I seek the inspiration and why I look at John and I don't look at John and say, John, make it easy for me. John, tell me, tell me the magic sentence that's going to inspire my life and change everything for me. What I do is I study the best because he stands on a stage that I want to be on. And I, I want to hear what it took to get there, not because I want to steal the success, because I want to know what it took to get there so I can do what he did and be where he is and learn and just have somebody pour into me who's willing to share. And so I, I share this session with you because I want to share just like he did with us, I do with you, so that we can take this journey together, take this road together and live this work-life balance. I love all of you. I appreciate you listening. I love the time that we spend together. I've just been asked to to extend this thing another year, and we're going to do this uh, because we show up. We show up every Friday. We do what we do, and uh, I, I wouldn't imagine not spending a Friday afternoon with you guys. So uh, let's sign this up and do this thing for another year, and, and we'll go after it. Uh, I love you guys. We'll be here right on another Friday. At the Work-Life Balance, 4 o'clock Central, every Friday. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 